Welcome to WeChat Divorce with Karen Shalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA, co-founders of My Divorce Solution, the company that delivers the quintessential financial blueprint to couples facing or going through the divorce process. This blueprint, known as the MDS Financial Portrait, establishes the foundation and options an individual or couple would need to make clear financial decisions when considering divorce. Each podcast, Catherine and Karen sit down with divorce professionals and other individuals who provide insight and frank discussion about real people, real situations, and real divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy to welcome family attorney and mediator Susan Guthrie to our podcast today. In this episode, we're going to discuss divorce attorney secrets to thriving beyond your divorce. But first, let me take just a couple minutes to introduce Susan. So Susan Guthrie, she's nationally recognized as one of the top family law and mediation attorneys in the United States. She's been helping individuals and families navigate separation and divorce for 30 years. Susan provides exclusive online divorce mediation and legal coaching services to select clients around the world through her business, Divorce in a Better Way. She's also recently partnered with mediation legend, Forrest Woody Mostyn. Did I say his name right? Mostyn? Mostyn. Mostyn, to create the Mostyn Guthrie Academy to provide cutting-edge gold standard training for attorneys, mediators, and other professionals. In addition to her other professional endeavors, Susan is an award-winning podcast host. Having reached a podcast listening audience of almost 4 million in the past two years, Susan is the creator and host of the hit podcast, The Divorce and Beyond podcast with Susan Guthrie, which debuted on iTunes' top podcast for self-help list. She recently launched the Learn to Mediate online podcast with Susan Guthrie Esquire to bring current information, updates, and news on ODR to her thousands of followers. And that's just a small piece (laughs) of all that Susan has done for us in our industry. So welcome, Susan. Oh, thank you both for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. And what I love about all that, I'm just going to call her Susan. That's how easy she is to talk to. (laughs) Oh, please. The worst part about being interviewed is hearing all of that is the first part, right? (laughs) Yeah. And if, you know, if I could give my personal accolades, I often think about you as as the forerunner and paving the path so that all of us behind you have, you know, really good exposure in the new way of technology, mediation, and to your point, divorce in a better way. So um, thank you for all the work that you do for not only for people going through divorce, but for all of us professionals who are trying to help families just do it a better way. Oh, thank you. That actually makes me so happy because Um, I I do think it's a dual front um, approach. Let people know that they can get divorced in a better way 
and let professionals know that people want that better way. And there are people like both of you um, helping people to do that. And I think it's just so incredibly important that people hear that message. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, and it's really exciting that we're seeing a shift in power to the couple actually going through divorce and they're requiring a change. You know, they, they need it, you know, so it's nice to see the professionals coming around to provide that for them. Right. I think I think we are seeing more and more professionals. I will a little bit throw my profession under the bus, the lawyers side of me. Uh, they're a little slower to come to the table. But but I think it's really important, Catherine, what you just said, the people who are going through the experience of divorce want the control back. They're finally starting to understand something that's actually been true all along. It's kind of like Dorothy, who always had the power to go back home if she just clicked those shoes. You never had to turn your power over to an attorney or a judge. Um, but now I think it's a much, uh, much better known paradigm that you can sit down and, uh, still control your life, even if you're going through the disruption of divorce. Right. Yeah. And we've had the benefit of working with many attorneys who embrace, you know, the clients being informed and are trusting that more because I, I think also historically, maybe attorneys felt that you know, only they knew how to do it. So they didn't really trust another way. But I think their trust level is also expanding um, into into that uh, realm of helping people divorce a better way. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I think, well, and I think the more experience the attorneys get with like working with financial professionals like you and see just how much better the entire process is um, for the attorneys included. I mean, we all know it's a kind of a tough way to make a living, honestly, to be there um, in in the, I don't know what you want to call it, the uh, sandbox of divorce day in and day out. And so when people are moving through the process in a more informed and supported fashion, I think everybody wins. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you have one case for five years. And who wants that? (laughs) You know, everybody, (laughs) everybody gets set up at that point, right? And it's never a good outcome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So to our topic today, divorce attorney secrets to thriving beyond your divorce. Susan, I think you have some hacks, tips and secrets for us. So let's, let's go to the first one. What's the first mistake most people make when they're deciding to divorce? You know, I think that very first mistake is something along the lines of what we've just been talking about here. And that is that they automatically assume that it's going to be a knockdown drag out battle and they start preparing themselves for that, both mentally as well as with the team that they may be pulling around them. Um, And as we just talked about, it does not have to be that way. And you, you almost make it a preordained conclusion if you go into it with that mindset. Um, so the very first thing I always tell people to do is take a breath, take a moment and educate yourself much as we're talking about right here about all the different ways and the different approaches there are these days to getting divorced, to going through the process and start thinking about what's going to work best 
for your family. Um, as you both know, you know, there's mediation, collaborative divorce, online processes. I, I mean, there's um, so many different ways that you can go through this. So I think it's really important uh, not to automatically assume that it's going to be what I call your mama's divorce, right? Your mama's divorce is the old world. Um, have your divorce um, and you get to curate that the way you want it. I feel so like great. that needs to be, come from an informed perspective, right? So, which is why we work so hard to just financially educate anyone who's going through uh, the divorce process, because a lot of financial literacy really is occurring in these divorce cases, which prompts people to take that jump start or leap into a battle in their head because they're afraid they won't understand the information that they need, or will they get the information that they need? So when they come to us first and we can do that, you really feel the temperature of everyone so they, they have a chance at mediation, you know, because I, I feel like mediation should be the first step anyone takes to any part of negotiations, right? Um, I don't think you need to jump into this, you know, we need two attorneys to fight something out. If you're informed, you should be able to make smart decisions on your own. Right. I, I, you actually said, I think the key word in all of this is education, um, because face it, your average person going into divorce, uh, one of the scary parts of it is it's usually something you haven't been through before. You may have been through it tangentially through family members or, or friends or something like that. But the biggest emotion people feel in the beginning of divorce is fear. And it's because they don't know and don't understand. Well, it is truly one of those areas in life where knowledge is power mm -hmm. and it breaks down to certain areas that you need to know. And you've already mentioned the one that you two are such experts at financial. You need to educate yourself in the financial. You also need to educate yourself on the side of things, if you have children, on what's going to actually work best for them. And there's a lot of information around that. And then frankly, you need to think about the process itself because that's still that knee-jerk thought, much as you just said, Catherine, about getting two attorneys to do all that negotiating for you. You don't need to hire someone to negotiate for you. You can strategize with an attorney. You can learn how to negotiate by educating yourself if it's not something that you're well-versed in. So, you know, it, that educational step, hugely important. And finding the right people and the right resources to learn from, because unfortunately, the flip side of the plethora of information that exists in our world at our literal fingertips on our, you know, we can, there's a whole library in here. Um, you don't know who you're getting information from always. So you do need to vet your experts and make sure they're, they're like the two of you, you know, people who actually are experts, subject matter experts in your area before you get your information from them. Right. I mean, it's hard when you have a lot of people chirping in your ear, telling you what to do and what you shouldn't do. And you know, it frustrates me sometimes when they're trying to advise them to make decisions and they don't even know what the overall agreement would look like. So they're right. one-off decisions that could really blow up your whole scenario. Um, so, you, you know, that's always a frustrating thing. Just too many people in your ear. Yeah. Well, and doing that thing you just mentioned, right, about you know, people will start to make piecemeal decisions before they have a full picture 
of what the actual, I always call it the marital pie, right? You're, you're fine. You, you two have a much better, much um, <laughs> more uh, financially technical term for it. Um, your divorce solution. Um, but, um, and your, your um, Our financial portrait portrait. Um, but I call it the, the financial pie or the marital pie. But until you know exactly what's in that pie, one a big mistake people make is they start slicing their pie up and dividing it. Well, I'm oh. going to keep the house. He's going to keep this. We're going to do this before they know whether can you afford the house? Can you, um, you know, what's the debt on the house? Can you refinance the house? I mean, that's, I, I mentioned the house just because as we all know, that's a big area um, and often one of the larger assets, but right. That is something that people jump into and start making those piecemeal decisions when really it should be made as a part of an entire whole. Oh, I'm so glad you said that Susan, because it just seems like recently Many of our clients who even have attorneys engaged, they're having discussions about dividing a one of the larger assets without taking the whole pie, as you say, into consideration. And that's a that's red flags for us um, to watch a client feel like they have to participate in those discussions when they don't have a full understanding of the entire portrait. Oh, it's a huge, it's when mistakes get made. And honestly, the biggest issue with that, when I see that happening, um, and maybe you two have seen this, is you know, someone will say that they agree to one of these like of the moment piecemeal things, and then realize as things start to unfold, maybe that wasn't the right decision. So they walk it, walk it back. And to the other party, that feels like reneging. That feels like going back on your word. And now what have you done? It may have been done innocently, but you have now created a tension and a lack of trust because you've now turned around on something. So it's, it actually can lead to huge mistakes. And it all goes back to what we talked about just a moment ago about you wouldn't make those mistakes if you took that time before you jump into any of the dividing to get educated, to understand what you have, to get that financial portrait. Exactly. Absolutely. Because it's that mistrust that you cannot get back when you're going through divorce because there's already a break in a trust which led you to divorce. But now that's when that 10% or less cases end up in these litigation battles. Sure. And if it no. would have just started differently, if I, I, and I bet you if we had about 100 people on here who are divorced and never knew any of us or anyone like us, they're all probably saying, gosh, I wish I started it differently. Yeah, yeah, the start is really one of the key moments in time. And, and I think it's important for people to understand, because as we all know, and, and I've been through it, uh, you know, you go through a long period of time where, am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Am I going to stay? And it's, it's exhausting. And then you get to that and you build yourself up to either have the conversation with your spouse. That's exhaust, you know, that's very stressful or you hear it and it's a big pow because you didn't maybe didn't know it was coming. But everybody in that moment thinks, well, I've got to rush out and get an attorney. I've got to go get the meanest attorney I can find in town. Um, And they they just jump into the process and put it all into the hands of that attorney. And instead, there are so many steps that are actually better steps to take, such as engaging financial experts to start the financial education, 
getting a coach who's going to help you with now all that emotional content that you have going on, getting, you know, doing your research, listening to podcasts, whatever the, your resources, and then making decisions about, well, do we want to sit down and mediate? Do we want to hire collaborative professionals? Do we want to sit at the kitchen table and see what we can work out? There's a million different ways to come at this as opposed to that jump in, hire an attorney and you're off to the races or off to the war. And thinking that it's just going to be handled for them and and they're going to just arrive one day and get their share. I love that you- (laughs) My fair share, what I'm entitled to. Yeah, what I'm entitled to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say here's where I'm going to throw some of your colleagues under the bus a little bit as well is that, you know, we've seen people that go for their consults with an attorney because it's the meanest one or the sharkiest one or what have you, who you have to have. And I have seen them promise things that really never play out in the long run. And they don't even look at all of their assets. And it's all, it depends tonight, the scenario. But the person who's so emotionally charged going through there thinking that they're the shark or the best attorney leaves there believing that that's what they're entitled to or what they can expect down the road. And it's really not the case. So again, I think going to an attorney consult can be very important, but it's the timing of it, you know, and what knowledge do you bring to that consult so that you don't get, I call toxic positivity type of information, right? You get information based on data that you can process that later in a more reasonable way. And so that's another important thing. So important, so important what you just said. I hope all of your listeners are hearing this and I will throw those same attorneys under the bus. Let me be really clear about this. No attorney in a consultation can promise you anything. No attorney at any point in your divorce can promise you anything as a result in your divorce. You know why? We don't wear the robe. We don't make the decisions. We don't have a crystal ball and we don't have a magic wand. None of that comes with the law degree. So if you go to an attorney, here's another insider tip. And if that attorney promises you something, don't go back to that attorney. Do not retain that attorney. You are not paying for, what did you just call it, Catherine? It was so great. Toxic Toxic positivity. positivity. Awesome. If you are... What if you're going to pay for toxic positivity? What are you really paying for? Lies or untruths, and and it is you know it may feel good in that moment to hear mm-hmm. what you want to hear. All an attorney can do is tell you a range of what we've seen in court or how we might see how, how something might break down, but there is never an ability on the part of an attorney to promise you anything. So a wonderful point for people to understand. And the other point that you made, I do think is also important for people to understand. If you're going to go for that consult, it can be a great educational experience. The more information you can give the consulting attorney ahead of time, such as the financial portrait, I mean, home run, if you have something like that, because then they're able to give you insights, not promises, but insights Mm -hmm. about what's in there. So important. It it is so important. And I also love what you say about, you know, getting a divorce coach because so many people approach divorce looking for emotional justice and they don't know the difference between divorce, division of assets, parenting plans and support and 
I've just been through a really painful time in my life and I'm going through a painful time in my life. And that really doesn't, it's really not going to factor in a lot in the actual divorce process as it relates to, you know, getting your assets divided and things like that. So I love that you said, you know, one of the first things is also to get a coach involved to to help you make those differentiations. It's probably one of my top tips. And and again, some of my colleagues, um, at least in the legal sense, not my mediation colleagues as much, but my my lawyer and attorney colleagues um, still haven't uh, entirely embraced the concept of, of coaching. But when I work with a client who is working with a coach and they are able to sit down, hear what we're talking about, mull it over in their mind. And then as we talked about in the beginning, make decisions for themselves, keep the power. They can do that so much more just in an easier fashion, but also in a fashion that actually results in good decision-making. If you're going to make a decision based on that emotional justice, which by the way, does not occur. Karma, she may be a witch, but she doesn't really come along very often in a courtroom, um, if ever, Um, or in a divorce case. It's just not the forum. It's not set up for that. Um, It is set up to divide your stuff and figure out where how you're going to co-parent your kids. That's what it's about. It's not about he's a jerk or she's an overspender or he did this or she did that. It's not about that at all. Um, so truly an important, I, I am a huge fan for me, the ideal team in a divorce would be a good collaborative or a divorce attorney, a good mediator, financial professionals, like the two of you and a coach and or therapist, if we need um, also mental health, uh, help assistance or issues Mm -hmm. with the children, Mm -hmm. that sounds like a lot. Your divorce is going to go much faster and much better to divorce in a better way if you have that kind of support. Right. So true. And then you don't live with regret of the decisions you made because to have that happily ever after divorce is prolonged when you're harboring a lot of regret and decisions that you know are not really for your best interest now. Now that the clouds have gone away a little bit and the dust settles and you sit there and you say, this is what I'm stuck with. You're, it's harder for you to move on with your life because you constantly replay the divorce process in your head. Yeah. And you, and you, you know, how many clients can I count who have, I've spoken to a year down the road after the divorce or more who said, I cannot believe I fought over the blah, blah, blah. It doesn't insert anything. Cause I can tell you playing cards, television set, sofa, Uh, I mean, you know, you name it, 15 more minutes with my kids. And I know, please don't get upset with me, parents, but 15 minutes and it costs you $25,000 to litigate those 15 minutes um, and and ramped up the animosity between you and your co-parent. Trust me, your kids would have been better off if you hadn't fought over those 15 minutes for six months. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. And having a, you know, that uh, focused approach. I think it does take a team. And for so long, divorce has had this stigma about it that it's embarrassing and something that, you know, is looked down on in our our society. But if you liken it to, you know, the death of a the death of a loved one in your family or even a surgery where a team is needed, 
it's very similar why a team is needed because there's a lot that you're working through in the divorce process, not only to maintain the family unit, but to make sure everyone's okay for your own well-being, but also your financial well-being and to make really important legal decisions. So there's a lot of different complexities that I think people don't realize and they look for the cheapest uh, answer, not understanding how complex of a situation it is. It's, it, it's an extremely complex and the more you layer into it, right? If, if you have no children, it still can be extremely complex on the financial side. Layer in children and depending on their ages and what's going on with them, you get an even more complex situation. And then you add the emotional content on top of all of that. Um, and, you know, it, it's one of those things. I, I always find it interesting because I do find that people have that perception of, well, it's going to cost me a fortune to pull that team together. And what they don't realize is their divorce is actually going to go much more quickly and be resolved much more quickly when they're informed and supported. And when I say supported, I mean all those people. You know, I went to law school for three years. Um, you know, I, I've practiced for 30 plus years. I've learned a lot about finance. I've learned a lot about children um, over the years of my experience, but I'm not an expert in finance. I'm not an expert in children, despite being the stepmother to triplets. I mean, we all, there are people who are trained in those areas. And by the way, the way I've even learned what I do know is I've been lucky enough to work with fantastic professionals like you, where I've learned that information. They don't teach us about quadros and 401ks and all that in law school. Guess what, folks? Nope. I've learned it from people like you. Uh, So, you know, getting that information understanding what you're work with, having your emotional control, you know, control over or where you're at actually means that your divorce will go by much more smoothly and quickly. And you will pay all those professionals less than you would pay the shark attorney to drag your case into a courtroom and try it, which can take a year or two these days, even longer with. Yeah. I I, I I agree with that. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, and this will aid to all of this. People don't really understand that, you know, in divorce, you're basically dealing with support, custody, and equitable distribution, right? Right. So what we find really interesting and we're really actually proud of is that since we just stay in our zone, because we know what we're good at and we're, we know what we're not good at, right? Or what we don't, you know, we, we know there's other professionals good at. So we like the team approach. But as we're gathering the documents, and we're assessing the data. A couple of times we have one of the parties, uh, typically the um, person who is not really the caregiver of the children all the time, mm-hmm. who now is starting to feel a lot of angst and says, I'm not giving you any more forms until I, she agrees to custody of X, Y, and Z. So our approach is we collect your data, we assess it. We still need these documents. However, we're going to refer you to a mediator at this time, or we're going to refer you to a coach at this time and go talk about just the children thing, because they're not really going to do your financial decisions. And neither of you should make a financial agreement between yourselves, because we don't even have all the data for you to have all the knowledge you need. But really what happens is they then go off to who we refer them to, 
and settle just their children. And they, they're not doing these one-off agreements because a lot of people feel really pressured into, oh my gosh, they're going to take my kids. If I don't agree to give them attention, or if she wants to keep the house, she has to do this. And we're going to deal with this all together. So what is, what is someone's choice other than what we're doing here? And is it somebody's choice to stop, take pause and say, no, we're just going to go talk about the kids with a mediator or a coach and still gather their document. I feel like that's how they keep their trust going, basically. I think that's a fantastic suggestion, actually, because, yes, you do not. I mean, when we talked earlier about it's a puzzle and you need to put all the pieces together, taking the parenting plan outside of that is actually something that can be done and discussed at any time. Because what people need to understand, and and I'm just going to speak about the law for a second, um, because I don't really think the law should have much to do with your children, but in a divorce, it does. Um, the, the issue of what's in your children's best interest, which is the legal standard, is something that is subject to be changed at any time. So even if you were to go and decide today that you think this particular parenting plan is in your children's best interest, if things were to change in the future, then that's up in the air. That that can be revisited. It can always be revisited. And what I say to people, you know, you, what you described, I call it the hostage-taking approach to divorce mm-hmm. negoci- negotiations. Right? It is the well, I'm not going to give you what you want, or I'm going to take what you want if you don't give me what I want. And people can, I mean, I especially hate it when they do that with the children, but they will do it with other things that are important. I've seen them do it with the pets. I've seen them do it with the house. I've seen them do it with retirement, you name it, because that is a key thing that we all know, understand as professionals in this realm. Spouses know how to push each other's buttons and they know where the weaknesses are. So they will use those in a negotiation, which may be great if you're a cutthroat business deal guy. But if you're trying to negotiate a settlement with someone that you're going to go forward and co-parent with, perhaps you don't want to come at it from that approach. So, yes, I think it's a great approach. I, I think you can go to a mediator at any time in your divorce. And a good mediator is going to help you with the current issues, whatever those might be, as well as help you start working toward that final settlement. And that's what people don't realize is they think they go to a mediation and it's all about what the final settlement is going to be. Very often in the beginning of a mediation, we are going to talk about how the kids are going to get to school every day for the next month until school's out, or how the bills are going to get paid while you're figuring out how the divorce is going to work out, um, how the mortgage is going to continue to get paid, or who's going to be responsible for doing this, that, or the other thing. Mm -hmm. So you can deal with immediate issues, and you can always be working toward that final issue. But the key point is, that you and and Karen are working in the background to help continue pulling together the information that's needed so that when you have worked out what your at least current parenting is going to look like, you can move on to those financial issues. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Don't you love when somebody comes to mediation, they say, well, we have an agreement. We just want to go over it with you. Another situation that's hardly ever happened. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, but to their credit, I don't want to deter anyone from talking to their spouse. 
One, I will say to everyone what I say to people in my opening week, we call it an opening statement in mediation, what the mediator says. It is perfectly acceptable to say, I hear what you're saying. I I understand it. If you've asked the questions that you need to ask, let me think about it. I'm open-minded, but I want to think about it and not make a decision right now. That is the trap that people fall into all the time. Um, and I always say, sounds great. I hear you. I, I need to talk to my financial advisor. I need to talk to my attorney. Let's talk about, the, give me some time to think about it. And let's talk about it more with our mediator. Perfectly yeah. acceptable and actually a home run for everyone. Because then when you come to mediation, you're ready to talk about it, but with someone who's going to help you. And that's the other thing people need to know uh, is that your mediator, you know, somebody said to me the other day in a mediation, uh, you know, Susan, he did this, you know, when we were married. And don't you think that's unfair? Can you believe he did that? Don't you think that's unfair? Is that right that he did that? It doesn't matter what I think. That's not my role at all. Um, I actually didn't agree with her and I thought it wasn't that bad, but am I going to say that in a mediation? No, it has no bearing on anything. It's that she thinks that. And so we need to deal with that in that context, but everybody thinks their mediator is going to make decisions for them. And that's absolutely not our role. It's maybe he doesn't know. She thought that was unfair. Maybe he doesn't know that she thinks he shouldn't have done that. And maybe we need to talk about that. So there was value in what she was saying, but she was looking for me to be her, um, uh, the emotional justice that you were talking about, Karen, right? And that's not your mediator's role, but your mediator is there to say, maybe you need to talk to Tom. Do you think you, have you ever expressed this to Tom, Mary? Maybe we should have a conversation about that. Do you think it would be helpful? Right, which is great. And we kind of do that with our financial portrait, not to mediate them, but, you know, we'll often hear, you know, this was a premarital, um, I put 200000 into our home, so I want that back. And, okay, well, how did you put the 200000 Do you have a, you know, a copy of the check that we can include in your portrait? Oh, no, but I have a tax document and wife is unsure if it's premarital or not. So our notation for the mediator is exactly this. Husband is claiming he has a premarital portion. We requested these documents. They were not received. So we're not telling him, even though we know it's not going to be considered premarital, he has no proof, but she's believing him because he's bullying her into it. And we can't say to her, it's not premarital because we're not going to meddle with what the mediator is going to do or if they go to attorneys, but we put enough in there that she's questioning that. So she says, I'm not agreeing with you. I'm not um, agreeing or disagreeing. I just need to see this document. And so if we can't get it, then the next professional has to just ask for that document. But their emotions are being heard. He's being heard. He realizes that it's not going to be considered premarital before he gets to that mediation. So the fight, the little bit of the fight goes down. And so it's really like for us, rewarding to see them transform a little bit into, okay, maybe we will talk this out. And then the professional gets the document and knows exactly where they're coming from because we've unwind, we've unwound some of it, right? So it really does make a better process for everyone when, again, you need the knowledge. It's it's critical. And, and part of that is, too, people having just misunderstandings about what the law is. And flip of that, just because the law says it doesn't mean you two can't agree to do something different. 
Right. And so maybe in that particular case, the wife would say, well, I do remember you put in 20,000. Um, I remember that really distinctly. And I agree that it is absolutely fair that you get that 20,000 back. The other 180 is kind of in the mix. I think we need to talk more about that. Um, you know, but they now that may not be what a judge would do, but in mediation, they get to be be guided by their own moral compass and by their own definitions of fairness within the context of they have to come to an agreement, right? I get people all the time and I'm sure, well, that's not fair or that's not what I'm entitled to. Mm -hmm. Who knows what's fair and who knows what's entitled to? What can you live with? What works for you and what works for your family as you move forward? Because I always say to people, yes, everything has a dollar sign, but always keep in mind your peace of mind has a dollar sign attached to and that you're going to you're going to spend a lot of money arguing over that television set, um, probably much more than your peace of mind was worth. Right. And, And I think that comes from a space of just having some control. But when you're informed and you have a team, you won't even be fighting over a television or a sofa. You'll know the parameters of what's going to benefit you most. And that's where your focus will be. So that's great. So Susan, what last word would you like to leave with people about their divorce experience? You know, I want people, you you used the words earlier, Karen, and I think it's important to say them again. Divorce is so viewed as a shameful and stigmatized experience in our lives. And I actually read a quote, and I think it was a quote from Jennifer Aniston, but she said, you know, she's been married and divorced twice. And she said to a reporter, I consider both of my marriages very successful. They just didn't last forever. And I say, yeah, and I mean, I do, I've been married once or twice and divorced once. Um, you know, I, I, one, I would love it if we can start twisting that or inserting that thought into our brains as we go into divorce. And the other aspect of this that I want people to just consider is that instead of being a horrible, terrible experience of life and and a, a horrible thing to happen to you, consider that divorce is an opportunity. It is an opportunity for a new beyond. That's why my podcast is Divorce and Beyond. Um, It's your opportunity to create a whole new future. And truly in life, you can count on one hand the times in your life where you have those opportunities to make major changes, just to, to fit in with what you truly want. And we change and evolve as we grow. So if you can view divorce as an opportunity, as opposed to a terrible, horrible thing that is happening to you, I think that you will find that you can divorce in a better way. I agree. That's Amen to so that. Well said. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. So this concludes this episode on Divorce Attorney Secrets to Thriving Beyond Your Divorce. Thank you, Susan, for a great conversation. Thank you both for having me. I I truly enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. 